and I am the head of the table, the tribal chief. Oh, will you fucking stop? And if any of you refute that, ding dong. Hello? <laughs> Y'all, uh, that's right, infidels. Here, live, Bin Hameen YouTube channel, twitch.tv slash Hameen Media, and exclusively at channelattitude.com. It's time to light the fuse and break down AEW Dynamite, blood and guts. Time to cut some nuts and ban some moves and slam you on a bed of nails. Here. HMG style, Bin Hameen, Johnny Publix, y'all <laughs> Oh, what's good? What's good, fam? As I see the uh, chat room filling up live here already. Going a little bit late. Had some last-minute errands to run all over the place, man, as always. Another big biz day, cannabis, wrestling biz, media biz for HMGs, and we had a good time last night. I'm uh, feeling really good off of last night as I predicted six belts and my number hit. So that was a big plus 250 win. Uh, great out there. I wonder what you guys had for the belt count. We were at an all-time low of four belts last week and then uh you know i had been at eight so i said figure split the difference and we were right on the money uh an interesting show last night i don't know uh kind of leaving themselves open to the peanut gallery and the trolls to just start hucking their monkey shit at them and and then we'll see who sells for it online or what repercussions that has in the locker room uh i put out the uh link to johnny Publix because uh, he might have some inside knowledge or stooge, or maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Maybe he's not the stooge. Maybe I'm the stooge. Maybe you're the stooge. <laughs> but who cares? That's what you pay the premium price for. Or you're here hanging with us live. It's all phony bullshit wrestling at the end of the day. So y'all, uh, as Rip would say, or yo, Allah, as Rip would say. And hopefully you guys are keeping up with Wrestling with Rip Rogers podcast, K100, and all the great affiliates, Renee Dupree, Cafe de Renee. Some great crossover with uh, Vinny Rue on Chris Van Vliet. A lot of great synergy inside of our flywheel right now uh, of what's going on uh, in the wrestling world. Uh, keep you guys filled up with content, hopefully not too oversaturated, but uh, with the uh, veteran opinions that you you know. Uh, the Suzuki goons are in the goddamn chat room. So, y'all, uh, dog the bounty hunters in the chat room saying, how many of you owe me money? Uh, I'm not sure outside uh, that one. Uh, but uh, thank you guys for, for joining us. And, dog, uh, thank you for catching all those criminals on the loose, man. Uh, but you'll never catch me because I have diplomatic immunity and my weapons are better than yours. And uh, my beard is better than your mullet hair. So, you know, it's your wife or your ex-wife, uh, you know, big gimmicks. So, yeah, a lot of the big news is everything went off last night uh, in the chat room is uh, they were in Boston for blood and guts. And out of nowhere is uh, the lovely Kayla Sparks. Oh, kiss me, Kayla. And uh, Kayla, what happened? I, I mean, I know you uh, are the Spice Ranger, the LGBTQ warrior, but even old hacker Hameen could last longer than 67 minutes with Dr. Britt Baker was uh was it that good? Was uh, the old slap and tickle fish hook that good? I guess so. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, Kayla Sparks last night 
uh, immor former Immortal Championship Wrestling Women's Champion and the love of my life uh, on AEW Dynamite. So that's always good to see a good sister like that doing her thing. Uh, but uh, I know you guys were like, is that her? That's a yes, it's her. That is the Kayla Sparks who... Gave me the big Boston cream pie donut, but, uh, you know, shocker if that doesn't play into the conspiracy that she hits me with a Boston cream pie donut and then re-debuts in Boston after being seen at NXT. Uh, I think the conspiracy just went up to a conspiracy at this point. You know, we're one degree of separation from that trickle down. And I wouldn't doubt if TK is uh, you know, trying to put – uh, his thumb in my eye, put his finger in my pie. Oh my. Uh, and, uh, do some business outside, man. And, and Kayla did what she needed to do at immortal and look what she got a spot on AEW. It all starts to make sense. Doesn't it? Once you lay it out that way, <laughs> but revenge is a dish best served, uh, in your fucking face. So I'm going to do that. So y'all love it. <laughs> it's definitely a conspiracy. Uh, but y'all, yeah, uh, man, uh, we got to punch in and punch out, uh, hit the ejector seat. So had a great Friday locker room this morning with the Pierce Austin, the Pierce Austin network, uh, most recently seen down under, uh, in, uh, Australia, I was going to say Japan, <laughs> uh, down under in Australia, uh, working with impact wrestling, being an ambassador for them and doing some ring announcing and really helping the scene out there. And, you know, from the Pierce Austin network, I know we just did. Uh, a big interview with my man, Big Ray, all day. Big Ray Hernandez, that'll be dropping, I think, next week. And uh, more and more on Pierce's plate, really carving himself out a, a niche as being one of the top voices in the Australian fight sports and entertainment scene. Really proud of everything he's doing there. And as well, Strangler Steve, the Striz in the house. So three-man booth for the Friday Locker Room. That's an exclusive channelattitude.com. If you guys haven't subscribed, what the fuck's wrong with you? Five bucks a month. And we've got a new uh, collision show, wreckage show it's called, I believe, with uh, Chris Ams and Dr. Jeff Lippman and the vets all over the place with Impact, NXT, and the locker rooms. Man, everybody just really kicking ass and uh, great stuff in the Hami Media discussion group, group. during the watch-along. So, uh, yeah, the, is it TK? Uh, I think Paul the Shooter, TK was the bankroll, and we know who the mastermind is. This feels like a Don Stevens op. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't doubt there's some LGBTQ crossover, uh, you know, in, inside of that as well from their lobbyists to get the Boston cream pie from dip and donuts to have Kayla do what she had to do. So <sighs> it's all going to be exposed. They're all going to be destroyed. That's how it all goes. But, uh, all the HMG soldiers were in on it last night. They were lighting up the, the chat line as we hung out, had a good time watching the show while critiquing the show. I don't know about this show, man. A lot to kind of leave open for the trolls to smash on you about, you know? So uh, very, very strange uh, choices after choices earlier in the week. So uh, we'll see. Um, well, duh. I'm going to read that one just because it's a stupid headline. I don't want to see who wrote that, but uh, <laughs> I'm just bringing up a, a couple headlines here. One that I didn't cover on the Friday locker room, and uh, it just slipped my mind because it wasn't in the sheets per se uh, earlier this morning. So we'll back, back, back it up, and I uh, just got to bring up my chat here. Uh, 
not Ray sending me Nancy Pelosi's big gimmicks memes. Uh, thank you, though, Ray, for that. Appreciate that, pal. Uh, we'll go to Johnny Publix here. Uh, but uh, W, or excuse me, wrestling star, not WWE, wrestling star, Teddy Hart, uh, arrested, allegedly had ecstasy and steroids in the car, man. Uh, independent wrestling star Teddy Hart, the nephew of Bret Hart and Owen Hart, was arrested last week after cops say he was in possession of ecstasy and steroids. According to Titusville PD, uh, documents obtained by TMZ Sports, the drugs were found in Teddy's rental car during a routine traffic stop on Friday in Titusville, Florida. Cops say he initially pulled over the 43-year-old wrestler around midnight after they say he ran a red light and traveling at a high rate of speed in a 2022 Mustang. Well, was it a red Mustang? You're pretty much begging to get pulled over at that point. During the stop, though, the police said they smelled the overbearing order of burnt marijuana emanating from the vehicle and noticed an unsealed medical marijuana container with a faded label inside of the glove compartment. Uh, as well as several pieces of loose-leaf marijuana shake on one of the car seats. Uh, during an ensuing search of the car, the cops said they found a baggie of red pills, a baggie of red powder that both tested positive for the presence of MDMA. They also said they found two small vials inside of a bag in the car that were labeled Masteron and Testosterone Sipionate, which cops, cops said are known anabolic steroids. The cops then did the steroids because they have the same. No, I read that part. Uh, cops also claim they found another baggie during the search that contained a blue powdery substance, which they said also tested positive for MDMA. Teddy, real name Edward Annis, uh, was then arrested and booked on two felony charges, possession of MDMA, possession of a controlled substance without prescription records show he was released from custody Saturday. This is far from the first time the wrestler has been in trouble with the law. He's been in and out of jail multiple times in the last few years, dating back to 2021. He'd also been accused of being in possession of controlled substances. In fact, Teddy had been arrested so many times over the years in Twitter account. It's called, uh, is Teddy Hart in jail? Uh, I didn't see the update from that off of this one. Uh, but obviously uh, coming off of the Netflix uh, or the documentary special there. Uh, and then uh, word was Stooge report is that, Teddy had signed with Netflix to do his own uh, follow-up on that. Uh, now, how much truth there is in that, uh, I'm not sure. However, this makes juicy content for true crime wrestling with, uh, you know, dark side of wrestling type stuff, right? So fucking up in this position might actually solidify his Netflix shot, but um MDMA, I don't, I don't really fucks with, uh, with pills and ecstasy and along those lines. With somebody had like two or three different types of uh, hallucinogenics or whatever MDMA is doing. I mean, the guy's always on a what he claims to be some type of soul quest, right? And uh, tries to speak esoterically about being a, a better spirit, but at the end of the day, Carney Hart family worker, right? So a lover of cats, so you got to put him over that way, but. Uh, um, yeah, man, welcome to the biz, Briz. And this guy's gonna probably anytime you ever wanted to pull him over, he would be uh holding that. But also at the same time, this guy can't stay small, gotta get the Mustang, gotta walk around in gimmick with glitter in my hair. Look at me, look at me. Well, if you want to look at me, you better have your shy running right because people are gonna want to tear you down. And when they know they can pull you over with Smiz pills and who knows what else, right? Even if you got a medical faded thing because you thought you were going to work them and be like, no, look, it's medical. I'm fine. 
they're not stupid. <laughs> you know, you might get around it in court, but, uh, but, but that's the way, way she goes boys. So, uh, it's Florida and, uh, I don't know if he's living there or if he's in Canada or not, but, uh, who knows if they let him out, he'll probably try and go back to Canada. We'll see if he can cross without issue and then stay there. But who knows, uh, if, uh, the, the Netflix follow-up is happening and if this will either impede it or lock it down that they want it for dark side of the ring content, uh, controversy creates cash. And if there's one thing that's tied to Teddy Hart's brand, it's controversy, you know? So, um, yeah, man, uh, it's never a good thing, but at the same time, thankfully nobody was hurt, uh, you know, and with anybody who's got addiction problems, obviously we've seen it with Sonny of where it can go and Jeff Hardy can get as many get out of jail free cards apparently as well. So, um, and two felony counts though is no bullshit. Uh, however, you know, at, at any level, but if he's been in and out before and where those priors are and what, you know, uh, other charges he's had against him that may have, um, <clears throat> parole violation, uh, you know, pieces written into it, uh, that could be mandatory time or what have you, but it seems if it was that they wouldn't have let him out Saturday. I just played a little devil's advocate on that, but, uh, should be interesting. Should be interesting. Yeah, uh, Jeff Hardy was over. That's why he can uh, drink and drive. You guys can't. Uh, <laughs> Retro Rocket Review says, do we want Teddy Hart back in Canada? Uh, let me get back to you. We're going to do a quick Canadian poll. Go stick your tongue to the poll and see if it sticks. Uh, y'all, uh, uh, wow. Retro Rocket going hard on me. Ben Baker, more like Ox Baker. I mean, I got the eyebrows and uh, – and whatnot, but uh, Britt Baker last night put the beating on uh, girl who should have been the love of my life and broke my heart. So guess what? I've got a new crush, and her name is uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and I'm Dr. Ben Baker, WMD. I mean, it fits, right? We're gonna we're gonna make it work. And she's probably wants a man she can actually uh, feel like, you know, can hold on to her and protect her, <laughs> as most women's DNA uh, suggests. Um, AEW Dynamite because that would be a no contest in a shoot. <laughs> that was that, yeah. My PTSD was definitely eased last night. Zane Vicious got a great uh point there after uh, everybody conspiring against me. It was nice to see get a little bit of revenge. Uh, good stuff. Uh, what else we got here? WWE news, even though because it just came up in the sheets, I figured I'll hit it now. How MLW's lawsuit against WWE was reportedly impacting talent recruitment. Um, uh, Major League Wrestling are currently embroiled in a legal battle over the alleged monopolistic practices of the former company. The antitrust lawsuit stems from WWE preventingly, uh, preventing MLW from competing in the streaming market, but it could also shape the way that Vince McMahon's promotion recruits talents moving forward. If you want to stream the Immortal Eye pay-per-view, it'll be on Premier Network uh, August 12th. You can see Blaze Haram and myself defend our tag team titles as well as Enzo Amore. Uh, formerly known as, uh, as well as uh, Cheeseburger, Jora Joel, and let me holla at you, playa, Teddy Long, also in the house, and Fondango, uh, recently hot off his hot K100 uh, interview there. So August 12th, Utica, New York, uh, get your tickets now. I know some HMG soldiers are coming out to check it out live. Can't say thank you enough for that, but you can catch it on iPay-Per-View Premiere Network. Uh, 
Let's see. According to Meltzer Seltzer on Observer Radio, WWE is reportedly hesitant to bring in talent from other companies. Unlike a wrestler's contract is actually coming to an end, unless a uh, wrestler's contract is actually coming to an end, they're unlikely to hear from McMahon's company, even if the talent in question wants to open up negotiations with WWE. Similarly, WWE reportedly isn't risking bad press by reaching out to AEW talent, especially after being accused of trying to poach performers from Khan's promotion in the past. Meltzer noted that WWE doing anything that paints the company in a bad light could have ramifications with regard to the lawsuit. Furthermore, WWE no longer has to answer to Vince McMahon alone, along with the recent merger of Ari Emanuel's Endeavor, means that they have more business partners to appease. It also means they have uh, a bigger law firm behind them. <laughs> so uh, I definitely can see that. And that's interesting how the, you know, the smaller company MLW can get over just enough to set, not a precedent, but make it look like if you do anything going forward that we claim you're guilty of, and you do those things, <laughs> it's going to make you, it's going to reinforce it. You're going to look guilty and you're going to lose. So right now, a lot of their shady uh, business practices, I wouldn't say have stopped. They may have slowed to some degree or else now we're, we're like, Hey, Briz, deep cover. This doesn't leave this room. Like these types of conversations, which people can say that, but uh, that uh, that's never <laughs> the way it is. Telegraph, telephone, tele wrestler. Uh, fastest way to send information. Uh, so we'll see if WWE comes up with a new, you know, work through an outside third party is how I would say. Like let WWE talk to, to you know, a Bill Barons to get something like that done, you know, or or what have you outside of the biz to do that and have them as an intermediary so you're not directly talking to the to the person doing that so interesting uh how mlw's lawsuit uh impacts them taking people from impact new japan or aew and signing them now we just uh read the story earlier in the week that um uh brian pillman jr uh was there working out in nxt not a, i didn't say they offered him a contract or anything yet but it was kind of a public workout, but his contract expired and was not renewed with AEW, which, you know, I'm not sure if he just, if they offered and he, he declined and, and whatnot, that part wasn't really spelled out there and that's his business, but that's a guy who they can go after. And I don't think they're in any breach at that point and somebody they definitely should put on their roster. And I'd also grab Harry Smith as many times as they've effed that up still to put, more heart foundation together if we can you know what i mean there's there's money there so oh let's see oh the so like i don't let me see who wrote this before going on matt wilkinson i don't know uh, him that well or any at all really so i'm not gonna cut a promo but this headline is like okay jack perry's new aew entrance theme is more than 200 years old. Uh, <laughs> Jack Perry uh, cemented his heel turn by uh, sticking to his word, and we'll get to that to defeat Hook for the FTW Championship. All of the course of his new entrance, which was created 200 years ago, Perry had promised that his fans wouldn't hear his old song again. Uh, and while his entrance did start with Tarzan Boy, um, 
They ended up cutting off the clip, which effectively buried his past self as he was shown putting his boots in the dirt. I got excited there. I'm like, he's never going to wrestle again? Sweet. Nope. Okay. Uh, and that was super stupid because he's burying his boots, uh, which means he's done. Then he gets into a limo, which to me would mean he's going to Hollywood or something. And then the limo drives off, and the next shot is him on the entrance ramp coming down. It was the it was the stupidest continuity I've seen in a long time. Um, but uh, to go back and 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 not know that it was Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, like that to me shows such a disconnect in the last twenty years of what pop culture and the dumbing down of society, where everybody else within the two hundred or the hundred and eighty five years before it would know that instantly because it was used in Bugs Bunny cartoons, Looney Tunes. Uh, it was used in Three Stooges. It's been used in countless TV shows and, and references. And I really do feel that this headline shows how stupid the modern day fanboy wrestling, uncultured, very uh, myopic minded, uh, entertainment leech is, and it's not just AEW fans that could be across the board where people are like, I don't know. I've never heard that. I heard that before. It sounds familiar, but I'm not sure to not know Beethoven's fifth or even know who Beethoven is or Mozart, Tchaikovsky, Vivaldi, handle uh the list can go on and on Salieri, and uh you know just to be like oh it's uh orchestra music and not know but that headline popped me of like it's over 200 years old like fans are gonna go really who is it like if you don't know beethoven's fifth you're fucked yeah yeah like your time on this planet has probably been wasted to some degree so far <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I and I believe there is a disconnect in every generation up until the last two, the last two decades, where that type of fundamental art uh, that we all have a basis around is no longer important in their mind of societies. Um, there we go. Yeah. Oh, all right. Let's get to the show. We'll clock in and clock out. You never know if we're going to have a run in or not. Not a problem either way. But uh, I was talking to my man, J.D. Love, last night uh, from 2CW uh, to kick off the show. And they, I, I asked him how many belts are going to be on the show. And he said 22. And then he said and 22 title changes as well. So uh, out of the gate, he was pumped because he got a title change right out of the gate here as we're going to get uh, Jungle Jack Perry fresh out of digging a hole in the desert like he's in, uh, you know, Vegas, and then he's in a limo, and then he's on the fucking ramp. Right away to start the show, I feel like this is a continuity kick in the balls and an insult to my intelligence and lazy, lazy show production. Um, if you wanted all that, you do that, and then set it up for a main event next week or the week after, or he buried his boots and he's going to attack him in another way, but not to do all that. Then I'm going to have a match. So burying your boots meant what meant nothing. Uh, hook, uh, versus Jack Perry for the FTW championship. Um, yeah, this went way long. <laughs> I think this was like 20 minute segment to open. Uh, but the bell rings hooks, waste no time. He fires off 
rights and uh, to Perry's midsection before Perry slides out of the ring. Hook follows, knees to the midsection, follows up with chops, uh, going into the audience, clotheslines back into the ringside area, tosses him back in the ring, and Perry delivers a drop kick uh, to Hook off the middle rope to start the heat. Then we go to break. Perry gives him a German suplex to Hook off the apron to the outside. Hook prevents him from doing so and delivers a T-bone suplex to Perry, then drags Perry back inside the ring. Uh, Perry slides out and sends Hook to spine first in the ring post, then delivers an elevated DDT to him off the apron. I have a feeling this whole sequence right here when I was watching it, you would have to go back to ECW 97 and see what Taz was doing probably. 96 90 98 in there and i bet you can bring this match up and it's like jerry lynn versus uh taz and it's almost this exact same shit where you could put videos side by side on them and and i gotta believe taz is probably writing and booking all this stuff too it's his title it's his legacy it's it was never really tied to ecw aside from being taz's thing as being official title and it's still an unofficial title here so it's really about taz's legacy and his son and the passing on and all that kind of stuff and we've heard rumor mill that hook might be a guy that nxt wants now i don't know when his contract's up if that's a tampering thing but there you could at least talk to the old man and he could be the inter- intermittent third party. But I think Taz is really taking care of all this business and because he played into a big part at the end of this when Jericho's kind of ribbing him about it or they want to get his reaction uh, uh, from, you know, Hook losing the title. So the pair get back in the ring and Perry delivers a German suplex. Hook lands on his feet, delivers a pair of German suplexes of his own. Perry delivers a low blow to Hook while the referee's distracted. Yeah, they buried the ref a lot in this. He just was, like, walking around doing stupid stuff. Uh, Followed up with a sliding elbow. He goes for a pin, but Hook uh, kicks out. He grabs the FTW championship from the timekeeper's area, but the ref catches him, and Hook accidentally sends Perry crashing into the referee and delivers a suplex, then goes for the pin. No one's around to count it. I just did this spot myself uh, this past weekend. Uh, And Hook checks on for the referee. Uh, Perry hits Hook with the FCW championship first and pins him for the win. Uh, I hit Rob Rage with the flag, then put him in the camel clutch. Referee still down. I go check the ref after Rage did. Rage hits me with the low blow, Rage mission, and then Sideburns fucking also in on that conspiracy as well. Um, But then uh, Jungle Boy grabs the title. Gets down on his knees on the ramp and tells everybody they can suck it pretty much. Uh, definitely looks like he's uh, studying some climate change. Maybe found some B12. Uh, maybe hanging out uh, in a 2022 Mustang. Who knows? Get me 2022 Mustang. I like that. I like that. Um, da, da, da. And we still don't uh, have his chick. You'd think that would have been another spot where his woman would have come out there and put him over, you know, maybe not in front of everybody, but at least he could done the fuck you. It was a, it was a decent uh, beauty shot moment, but this match just kept going on and on and on and on and on and on. But then by the time we got to the main event, that match seems short. So (laughs) it doesn't, it's all relative, I guess. But your winner and new FTW champion is uh, don't call him Jungle Boy. He's just Jack Perry. 
Uh, so, and now he holds a belt that's not affiliated with anything except for ECW legacy. So cool. We head over to a video of Alex Marvez and a cameraman catching a video of Chris Jericho and Don Callis having a meal, looking at some photos with security standing by. Then we head over to another video of MJF and Adam Cole having some dinner, eating some spicy chicken, taking a few shots at Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia and telling some stories. Uh, yeah. I mean, these are quick gloss overs. I don't know. It was them having a meal. I thought, I think they might've uh, uh, copy pasted wrong here. Jer Jericho and Callis rolled up in a limo. They weren't eating. So that, there's uh, somebody's fuck up there from Russell stink. Um, and you know, they're coming Don Callis hot in the news off of the triple a triple mania shows where a cameraman grabbed him after he was getting heat on Omega with Takashita. So uh, and Jericho, I thought they did a good story of his own guys kind of snubbing him. Uh, they have been uh, week and week and week, which is going to drive him closer to Don Callis. You know, when the Jericho Appreciation Society is turning on him because he's not focusing on them or, you know, being the mentor he should be. He's worrying about himself and getting over with Callis instead of worrying about the crew that he's already got. So interesting stuff there, just in a little... 30-second blackout, man, it's getting humid. Uh, and then uh, <clears throat> we get another buddy scene, you know, with Cole and uh, MJF. And both these guys have charisma and come through the camera. But their acting is bullshit for when it comes to comedy. Trying to do a satirical version of the odd couple stepbrother stuff just to do the jokes and we're like doing wink wink we're doing a joke now is wrong you have to play the character to the height of the character's intelligence and the situation is where the comedy comes from not trying to force jokes and punchlines or trying to be like oh that's hot oh oh and now i have to do this and and do these little funny things and back and forth where you're trying to be funny that never comes off funny. It comes off as glad handing, insulting to the audience's intelligence. If you play the scene real, the, the comedy is in the reality. And these guys, I don't know, maybe MJF had plenty of acting classes in high school, being a Long Island fucking theater kid, but somebody should have taught him that. Because he can do the funny takes, but it's not a reality-based take. And when you do that, now everything that we were trying to set up between us looks fucking stupid and phony. It can be stupid, it can, but the comedy has to be between two stupid idiots in a situation, right? It's, it's, not, it's just not there. And yeah, you're right. Frank's Pickle Bear ass says, an awful dumb and dumber. Right. These guys want to play high-stakes characters that are supposed to be smart, sexy, intelligent, and then they want to do lowbrow Watch me do a dumb, dumb joke when I'm not a dumb, dumb. That's fucking wrong. It's wrong in, in the scene work, and it shows on camera. You have to play the scene real. The comedy will come out of it. So uh, I wasn't impressed. And then they did a little thing where I got you, babe. Uh, I got you fucking a present. I got you matching uh, underpants, and I got you a present uh, where I took my gear and uh, your uh, Burberry scarf, which is such a timely reference four years later, uh, and uh, made jackets out of it. And, you know, because it's Boston, July, super cold there. You definitely want to wear a jacket in the middle of summer. 
everybody's fucking a goof, bro. Uh, and there's one more surprise, uh, but we have to wait for that one. Then we get uh, Dr. Britt Baker. She heads down to the ring, down where, down there. And Kayla Sparks is already waiting for her. I was saying, I was yelling, Britt, please check under the ring for a giant dip in donut so you don't get Boston cream pie like I did. Um, but Britt Baker takes it to uh, Kayla Sparks straight away. Sparks delivers a boot to her face, but Baker lands a, a suplex and a twisting neck breaker. She cinches in the lockjaw for the win. Uh, yeah, a quick get over match for Britt Baker here. And, you know, uh, some payback for me, uh, embarrassing Kayla the way she, she embarrassed me. So, uh, I love you, Britt Baker, DMD. And, uh, I think, uh, DMD and WMD need to get together and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens from there. Sweet sister. Uh, but y'all, uh, man, there, I'm, I gotta be critical a little bit of what's what, what I see. There was like one moment. I mean, this match was so fast where it's the deer in headlights where she was supposed to hook her in the front face lock when she goes for the twisting neck breaker. And we kind of had like a pregnant pause in there of like, uh, 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 okay, get you into it. Like, and that can happen anywhere uh, in a match where like uh, caught me off and put me into it. And she, Kayla was just kind of waiting to get put in the front face lock there. So a little exposing. Uh, we just need to make things a little cleaner. But again, Kayla and Britt don't work together every week or what have you. So we can get mistimed in three spots. That's just how shit goes sometimes. So, uh, but I was glad to see Kayla get her face ripped off. Uh, you know, that was uh, made me feel good. I definitely slept a little better last night. So kiss me, Kayla. Or kiss me, Britt. I think hashtag, what do you guys think about that? Hashtag kiss me, Britt. Uh, you know. Let's play doctor. One of those. I like that. Uh, then Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara make their way to the ring. Chris Jericho unexpectedly appears and calls for the music to be cut, much to the dismay of the crowd. He then joins commentary as Adam Cole and MJF head down. MJF and Adam Cole versus Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. Well, they left out the big part of this, too, in the write-up, so... Not the best work from Wrestle's uh, stink this week. Uh, MJF comes out and and then he says, cut his music. And then he says, play the other guy's cool music, the boom for Adam Cole. And they play it, but it's MJF's music again. And he goes, hey, I said, play his music, not my music. And then lo and behold, Adam Cole's music kicks in and it's a <laughs> remix. Oh, the big surprise. They remixed their music together. Aren't we best friends and buddies? We're the two best friends anyone could ever have. You're like, oh my God, bro. I mean, we know it's a sickening front and I like the way, here's what I like. Um, if you're going to play it real, MJF does play it real coming up here. Cause he goes down and starts slapping hands with the fans and it's not in a sarcastic way, but it's a reality. Even though we know his character underneath is Satan uh, <laughs> and that, that he's the devil and he's tricking him and lulling him into a false sense of I'm a baby face, right? The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And how do you do that? If you're evil, you put on the front and the airs of being good. Uh, you could say that about almost every corporation in America, in America right? And um, here we are. And when he played it real of going to hit hands like a baby face, 
he didn't like turn to the camera and sell it like, oh, I hate to do this. Like we're in on the joke. He went and did it. And we know that deep down he's going to turn and that he really hates that shit, right? Hanging with the pores, as he said. So that's what I mean by playing the scene real as opposed to playing it tongue in cheek and making a rib of the joke. Now that had real stakes and it wasn't even maybe two minutes after that, that Tony Schiavone on commentary references that and goes, it makes me sick to have watch him go over there and shake hands with all of our great fans, making them think that he really cares about them. Boom. That wasn't just the, like, I'm going to go shake hands with the fans. Tony, you reference it and bury me. The way he did that gave Shivani the opportunity to respond in a real and organic way. And that's the difference between that pre-tape that was just beating the jokes to death in a stupid way and not really doing them the right way to playing the character with integrity, even though we know the devil's underneath that and he's doing it for a reason. It wasn't done tongue in cheek. And that set up the opportunity for Shivani to have the real reaction. That's where I connected on that. And I don't know if I can explain it any clearer than that of the difference between how you need to play a scene. Okay. And maybe nobody gives a fuck and it's just me being an acting nerd and, (laughs) and that's the way she goes. But we start this off with some serious house show wrestle crap for 18 to 49 year olds who just love to watch other 20, 30 somethings, shake their cocks at each other and do stupid dances and show ass because isn't it funny to be a big dumb nerd (laughs) and do stupid shit? Yeah, it is. It is funny to show ass um, on a house show. Not when you're trying to get these guys over. So we get a face off. Daniel Garcia does his uh, pecker uh, check uh, shake at him and uh, thinks that that's character. It's not. Um, And then MJF gives it back to him and does the stupid dance so we're doing a mirror game i didn't mind with that he got a good reaction then he does the dance back at him and we do it one more time and now we've beaten this horse to fucking death and we actually had mjf powder out of the ring to go do a dance off spot so now we're doing tracy smothers stick uh out of the gate and we do a giant choreographed badly kind of choreographed from two Latino guys who are supposed to have all the fucking rhythm in the world. And they look like the worst white nerds dancing, trying to do backstreet boys with no rhythm whatsoever. They finally get it together and do some homoerotic pose downs at the end with the guy's head in between the other guy's thighs and his head right by his nutsack is Apparently, that's what 18 to 49-year-old team never touched a titty virgin fucking fan base assholes like these days. They like small twink young men greased up doing dance-offs to put their heads between each other's legs as close to their balls as possible. But don't don't dare say it's homoerotic or else you have the, the issues with you that you can't accept it. Then from there, we get a rebuttal dance from, uh, you know, MJF. It's kind of the same thing and just uh, stupid. And then he points to Adam Cole, who pops, and then does the uh, Beavis and Butthead hump the air dance. Um, And everybody just looks like they were supposed to be the coolest. Now they all look like fucking stupid nerds. Uh, Everybody who had even an ounce of cool in them gave it all up here in the in the opening of this whatsoever so 
uh it was pretty bad it was pretty bad uh and then from there we go into a wrestling match where we're gonna get our shit in so we do all the fucking goofy haha stuff but we're gonna then go wrestle okay okay back from break uh garcia tags in prevents mjf from making a tag this goes on and on and on there's sharpshooters uh we get to a rope break cold dumps him out of the ring and on top of Guevara, he tells MJF to do the Tope Suicida. Uh, I like the build up to this because they did it secondary. MJF was going to die before, and he just starts running the ropes back and forth. More comedy, more waka waka. And is that what you really want from your champ, your top guy moving into tag champs? I was just recently a champion and a tag champion at the same time. <laughs> so I know a little bit about what's up and I did some waka waka myself. So, uh, comedy can fit in, you know, uh, I'd rather take a donut shot than at the end than do a whole comedy bit and then try and turn vicious you, doing it backwards makes everybody look stupid. If, if you're vicious in the beginning and comedy is the reason you lose, then that I'm a little bit more all right with. So, the setup of these premises is just not hitting to me uh, in, in how to get max value. Um, but uh, MJF, after running the ropes, psychs himself out, but Cole encourages him and then sits on the ropes to open him up even more because MJF wins with a headlock. And he does a dive, and it's a pretty fucking fast and mean dive. The guys catch him, and he's pumped. And the crowd pops big and Jericho pops real big saying uh, nobody's popped that big on a suicida or, you know, a tope and ever pretty much. And probably not because you know what? And Rip would probably agree with this. The dive meant something, not necessarily meant something in the psychology of just this basic match, but MJF being a basic wrestler who doesn't do all the, the get your shit in stuff and shits on all the other guys for doing that. And that, and then Adam Cole <clears throat> being undisputed, get your shit in leg slapping Barry wrestling at every fucking chance we get of the reality of it. When he goaded MJF into that style, then it meant something, especially when MJF did it. Cause he only did it one time. He shouldn't do it again until it really means something in the, uh, in the, in the title change. So, he did the dive they pop big for it but we're just kind of making fun of wrestling none of this is serious whatsoever especially after the weird ass opening so then uh, after they get more of their shit and mjf tags in and, and then points to cole and they both yell double clothesline and garcia goes they duck one come back and uh hit him with hand-holding clothesline, which is one of the weakest ones you could do. Garcia pumps, or pumps, bumps. He pumps and he bumps, yeah. Get me pumps and bumps, and MC Hammer too. Um, and it just looked like a weak finish that was nothing more than for the fanboys to go, double clothesline. And this was as much of a rib on wrestling as you could possibly have in one match. Um so after that, uh, MJF and Cole go over off of a weak double clothesline, but, uh, you know, they're start to walk out dejected. Jericho gets up from the commentary desk and goes to console his guys. And they just look at him and walk by him, Guevara and Garcia. 
And that tells a greater overall story of the dissension that we saw with Jake Hager, uh, you know, uh, and the Jericho Appreciation Society pretty much uh, breaking up, which will push Jericho to Don Callis even more. So uh, I like those kind of little details. The whole match and whatever was, as Conan would say, JoJo, in my opinion, especially if you're building to go face the tag team champions. That's not, you know, like a, a funny ha-ha tee-hee bit there doesn't doesn't impress me especially when you got the world champion in that tag team um and jericho leaves and then out comes and i these guys music has to change this is they have terrible entrance music ftr's music hits and dax wheeler and uh or dax hardwood cash wheeler come to the ring um and get in their face and and try and talk that shit but mjf kind of rips on them and makes them look stupid a little bit um and then uh what was weird is at the end they're the new remix music of adam cole and mjf hits and you see uh hardwood go over to the camera and break the fourth wall and goes tony we're the champs next time you hit our music tony not their music now i get it it's the new remix and you want to get it over downloads or whatever but he's not wrong and I don't think that was a planned spot for him to heat on Tony. I've heard there's some things going on backstage that I talked about on the Friday locker room and kept some names out of it and, and only covered a bit of it. But this part's interesting to me, and we need to put a pin in it uh, to just keep an eye on it throughout the weeks uh, that you heard it here first on HMG. So, I, you know, these guys are pretty much on collision, and we know FTR are punks, boys, and – there was all kinds of propaganda coming out through his podcast before he ended in. And I'm sure that caused all kinds of little bullshit backstage where he was going, you know, to bat for punk and be on team WWE over cool guy. I just want to do business for the young guys. No, we want to be the top guys and get our shit in and bully people. Uh, so that's going on. And then I think I've heard house of black is in a similar situation of all being, I liken them to OVW, Cobra Kai, the cool guys fucking click who can do what they want to and step on fucking under guys. And they always pick somebody that they think is a weak target to bully on. And then <laughs> we see things like brawl out happen, you know, and I've heard that this type of shit is already going on at collision, even though we had a, a punk led, this is how we're going to do this show meeting and make it different from dynamite. Okay. He, he's probably got some good wrestling points on there. But there is already a clique solidified that is bullying and big-dogging other fucking uh, people on the show. That being said, just hitting that music alone could have meant nothing, could have meant they just wanted to get the remix over, or that Khan is really not down with Team fucking Cobra Kai and that he wants to get Team MJF and Adam Cole over and just that alone was enough to trigger hardwood to break the fourth wall and say, I'm the fucking champ. You play my music instead. Like it made them look like they fucked up. Maybe it wasn't a fuck up. Maybe it was by design as a, you think you're over. We'll see how over you are. We'll play the other guy's music as a rib. And then will you come back through the curtain bitching about it? Or will you take it with a fucking smile and fucking, okay, that's the game we're playing. All right. And, and not sell. And no sell everything because everything is a test in this business. So it could have been as innocuous as that was written in there, 
or it could have other implications based on what I've heard from the last two weeks of guys clicking up again and being fucking prima donna bitches. And just because we're ex WWE guys and we claim we're the best, we can do whatever the fuck we want to do, or we think we can until somebody punches us in the fucking face. So very interesting, very interesting. Something to keep our eye on, you know, couldn't, this is something, this is nothing. This is something <laughs> uh, who, who gets that reference. Not many um back from break claudio castagnoli heads down to the ring kenny omega follows i was like wow it's fucking 905 and we're claudio's on his way to the ring to start this blood and guts war games 10 man fucking i don't even know what to call it you know what i mean <laughs> chaos i guess um and i go we're really gonna have 55 minutes of this we're really gonna have 55 minutes of this uh, nobody can say it uh, better than that. Uh, Elizabeth, bitch is going to be bitches. I think Ice T said a bitch is a bitch, uh, you know, and uh, I can't disagree with that. Phil going to fill. Um, so Claudio comes down at Pommy because Johnny Publix was, was ripping on him. Say so he's got his uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, starter kit rash guard shirt on. Like I just came out of rolling with fucking right out of the dojo BJJ master, which you need a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, especially when you're going into a blood and guts double cage match with two rings, glass, a bed of nails, tables, uh, chairs. Nothing will help you more on some tacks than Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then he gets in the ring and takes off his Brazilian jiu-jitsu shirt. So fuck it. I'm not, I don't need it. I guess I'm back to pro wrestler. Like, what they try and do to sell themselves as shoot fighters and then do nothing that a shoot fighter would fucking do is laughable. And we need to stop that shit. It's silly and it makes you fucking look dumb, especially when you're Cesaro and you're pretty much the best wrestler they probably have on their roster. Size-wise, in-ring, I mean, the promo can always use work, but... <laughs> That, that that type of shit is dumb and ridiculous because we're the Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, okay, sure you are. Sure you are. Um, but we're going to get Blackpool Combat Club with uh, Kanosuke Takashita and uh, Pac versus the Golden Elite, the, the Elite, in a blood and guts match. Um, Castagnoli and Omega kick it off. I liked Omega's gear here, the silver with the big blue Omegas on it. burp button sorry uh but omega reverses things and does the same omega gets on uh castagnoli hits him with a brack breaker flying knees back and forth castagnoli dumps omega between the two rings but omega sends him to the top turnbuckle face first he ascends to the top cross body dumps castagnoli chops all that shit really it doesn't make a difference because we're gonna go a half hour because people have to be introduced in this match so the first 30 minutes of a match like this is all introductions until we know we're going to get all 10 guys in the ring. So it's part Royal Rumble, part War Games, whatever, you know. So um, none of this shit going into it really makes a difference. Uh, Moxley makes his entrance, uh, uh, I think, third or fourth, fourth, fifth, <clears throat> fifth, sixth, who knows, <clears throat> and comes out with a fork and starts stabbing people in the head, Abdul the Butcher style. That's his opening offense. Walks around, stabs everybody so we all get color, and I think stabs himself. 
Okay. <laughs> Two days ago, we just, three days ago, we just released fucking um, AEW things we they want to have cleared or that are banned for violence. And half of it was Moxley's offensive package or him fucking taking kids' drinks and spitting them in people's faces and whatever other bullshit, get your shit in make sting jump through a fucking table dumb shit that's not getting cleared now needs to get cleared right well why would you drop that three days before this match where you're about to fucking do everything on that list and more i don't think there was uh, a bed of nails on a bed of nails not banned well you guys can still do that it should have been this whole match should have been the reason for that list coming out of banned moves because of the excessive violence in this match. We can't have it anymore. Warner Brothers Discovery is pissed off. And I wouldn't doubt that that is a shoot of why that fucking list came out because Warner Brothers Discovery fucking uh, people were like, we can't. What is this shit? They probably watched for the first time. Like, what? We can't have this on here. And then they said, oh, yeah, hold my beer. And they did this match wrong. They should have gotten one more in, and this match was the reason why we can't do that anymore. So it's just everything is always so backwards or mistimed with this company. From fucking release dates of video games to 140-pound top guys when you got 300-pound, six-foot-eight guys on the mid-card, a fucking sea of them, or banning moves that were then going to do every move and every fucking stupid CZW, FMW gig eight ways to Sunday because we don't know how to really work, uh, we're going to do that now instead after we just said we're not going to. So we all look stupid. The timing is abysmal at this company when it comes to doing stuff like that. And there's a lot of talk about ROH too of like what is it, like how epic of a a fail it is at this point where they put on six hours of AEW wrestling and then expect the fans to sit around for ROH. You're like, are you, how, how could you miss anymore? You know, so there's some serious $5 face slaps and educations need to be handed out over there. Um, there's a bag of glass, which I believe is probably sugar uh, because of the way it was breaking up. It still would suck to bump on rock candy. So but uh, it won't, if it gets embedded under your skin, it only takes some water to dissolve it as opposed to having true glass shards stand to your skin, fester, create an infection that you then die from. So, um, but we had to use glass. So we have a bag of glass. We have a bag of tacks that gets rained down from above from on top of the cage. That was the first time I guess we'd seen that uh, as they clarified. Um, stomps from the top of the cage down through people's chest through tables there was a bed of nails with a, a slam at one point um you know plenty of fork shots fork use screwdriver whatever the fuck it is um until and i thought the bucks delivered you know who really impressed me and he always does uh, right when he hit the ring getting his shit in on everybody is nick jackson nick jackson just has that uh god-given gift if you believe in uh notorious god uh like they do uh you know to watch him be able to move when he's healthy and not really hurting his timing his fluidity the way he delivers everything just really really looks good matt has more of the personality and comes through the camera a little bit more and i think that's a good trade-off 
you know? Um, so, but I, I, I always kind of get a little bit pumped, even though I've been critical of the Bucks and their psychology is not what I do. I've worked plenty of shows with them, but I always get pumped to see when Nick is on the comeback or he's coming in hot of what he's going to put together. Cause his, his shit really drew me into the match after I'm like, Oh, what other dumb shit are we going to do here? And he comes in and you're like, wow, that guy's got it. You see it in a Pentagon. You see it in a Phoenix. You see it in a Nick Jackson. You know what I mean? Uh, you see it in a Michael Jackson, uh, as they're saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's, he is the super kick king, right? Uh, but but yeah, uh, maybe he'll do a little hee-hee next time. But to watch Adam Cole blatantly slapping his tiny little thigh and ass cheek while he was hitting like, oh, I faked a fucking high kick so I could slap and do a low kick. And I'm just like, oh, that shit turns my stomach, bro. Like, if he did that to me, I'd probably just look down and be like, why'd you hit your thigh and not me? And then fucking clothesline him and he'd do a fucking flip bump. Because I, I wouldn't be on the cell for that bullshit, bro. Fuck that. Uh, Wheeler Uter, uh comes with to uh, the ring with a chair. Rams in the Knicks midsection. Suplexes him on the chair. Castagnoli sends him face first in the turnbuckle. Repeatedly as Moxley jams Omega's face in the side of the cage. Pac holds him in place as Moxley fires off right hands. Uh, Nick Jackson, or excuse me, Matt Jackson's next out for Golden Elite. Larry, it's Pac. Uh, plants Pac. Plants Uta on top of the chair with a DDT. Slice bread to Castagnoli off of Mox, and then a shooting star press to Mox as Nick's goes flying over the top. So Maddie gets his shit in too. <laughs> I just think Nick is uh, smooth as fucking silk, man. When he delivers his shit, it, it's interesting for me to watch. They're all doing this little, I don't know who invented it in Japan or Mexico, but it's like uh, when they go into the ring, they'll do a jump through the middle rope, roll through, and then like uh, this over the second rope little bounce and then bounce back in they think it's cute to fucking do that as a i don't know it just uh it looks like we're trying to do wrestling stuff to do it instead of this is what i really need to do to get in to kick somebody's ass it's the the transition's a little bit too self-indulgent but the fanboys like it what are you gonna do they just saw two guys do dancing dicks next to each other um the shooting star press i wouldn't have done that uh, moxley plants both of the bucks with a suplex uh before Castagnoli delivers uppercuts on both of them omega plants yuda into the broken glass face first broken glass everywhere uh the final team member of the blackpool combat club and it's uh takashita runs down with a chair and don Callis is behind him takashita hits nick with a chair in the face then sends the Bucks crashing into one another and delivers a double German suplex to them both. Yeah, that double noggin knocker on the Bucks looked like I don't think either of them got their hand up in time. They fucking hit hard right there. And that's a very simple thing to make look real. Uh, and, and that was pretty shooty. I think they might have both just been blown up right there and they really smacked fucking heads. Uh, Moxie grabs a bed of nails from under the ring and sets it up in the corner and bites Omega's head. He looks to send him into the bed of nails, but Omega puts a stop to his momentum. Moxley drop kicks Omega onto the nails and body slams him on top of it. Uh, final guy is Ibushi. And as uh, Liz said uh, last night, uh, he has a uh, very pouty feminine lips. So if you want to maybe Kale will kiss Ibushi, who knows? Uh, what, what nice message uh ben i'm not sure what that means i i've said a lot of stupid shit here uh cough button okay 
uh, uh, Bushi comes in and starts doing all stupid little shit to everybody because they were all in a fucking. They do. They did a spot where everybody's in a submission hold, and later they do one where everybody's up on every corner doing ten phony punches. Things like this just make hey, it's blood and guts war games. But let's do a choreographed spots with ten guys. That shit to me is not war games. That's phony. Get your shit in wrestling for a pose down to do it, as opposed to like we really hate each other. This is about Pac and Omega. How do we keep getting back to that story? And you think it's going to be Pac gets a big high spot in with a drop where he's holding on to the top of the cage with the uh, stomp through the fucking table. But later Pac fucking gets pissed off and leaves his team in the match and walks away when this whole match was about him getting revenge on Omega. That's what he was so fucking pumped about. So that this just leaves me scratching my head while everyone's getting their shit in and hangman's fucking doing buckshot lariats, which was probably a little scary in between the fucking uh, two, two rings, but he delivered everything pretty well. And guys are bumping on glass and tacks taking them. So that's got to suck shit through a straw to take. Uh, But in the end we get uh, Wheeler Yuta gets fucking choked out by a chain uh, and, and Moxley actually surrenders to save Yuta. So they had to tell the Moxley part afterwards. I just saw Yuta with the chain and all of a sudden it was over. I don't know if the camera shot missed something with Moxley or I was just in hip hop and Smizland with, uh, the rest of the, I mean, media discussion, Grope. Grope. or excuse me, the AEW live self-help group. Um, but they're choking him out and Yuta was selling it good. Uh, as Strangler Steve said, he could have protected himself more. Usually when you're doing chain spot, you're going to want to sell your neck and have one hand in there to give yourself a little breathing room. Cause you don't know the guy pulling on it. Doesn't know how much pressure is really on your esophagus right there. You really just want to hold it and let the guy do his thing. But his arms were at his side. It was believable. He was getting choked the fuck out. And Moxley, they even put over, you know, reluctant. He didn't want to have to do that. You know, he doesn't want to win that way or lose that way, but he had to save Wheeler Yuta. So a little sacrificial story at the end, but it kind of ended on a low note, anticlimactic. And again, to me, these are these like anime finishes of like, the war is going on, but I must save my friend. The honor that I will have in doing that in front of my master. Like that's all, like all these fucking finishes seem like some weird honor code Japan thing to me. And I don't relate to that. I, whenever I see him or when I see an Omega promo uh, at the end where he was breaking the fourth wall last week, and you think you will defeat us, but you will not, we will be victorious in battle. Like all this is like fucking Pokemon to me. It looks stupid and it sounds stupid and it's no way that any men with any beef would ever fucking talk to each other. Be like next week, motherfucker, you better not show up here because you're going home in a fucking body bag. That's how men talk to each other. You know what I mean? Like uh, all these little exasperated things that sound like a, a a cartoon to me. I, I absolutely am not down with. And this finish was a little bit of that. And it just left the crowd going, Holy shit, we've seen so much violence, a choke out, and then the finishes, somebody going, we surrender. Oh, okay. Okay. If we're going to do that, then let's have a coward waves the white flag match. 
old school Tennessee style because it left everybody like, wow, we've seen it all. We've seen every power bomb, every fucking submission, put them on tax. All that's left pretty much is uh, slamming a guy on some fucking hot coals. You know what I mean? Or throwing them in a tiger pit and watching them get impaled or else actually releasing a fucking tiger into the ring while the match is going on. That, that could be next week during the rematch. Um, tiger. Uh, but we'll see, man. But your winners are the, the elite, the golden elite. Um, so yeah, this show is strange to have a TV 55 minute, 10 man, super hardcore payoff main event that ended in a guy going, I surrender. Mm. that's not a crescendo. A match needs to build to a big moment and give them that fucking shit. They could have gone home with the stomp off of the, when he dropped through him off the cage that Pac did, because that's his business. And it should have been on Omega. And right after that, even if they didn't want Pac to win, he could have got caught while he was checking out his own work, being proud of himself and something vicious from behind, you know? So uh, the other big thing is it's shark week. So maybe instead of a, a tiger, we're going to have a shark there. Uh, it did pop me when Sharky, the mascot came out and Taz was super hot still about the FTW title being lost. And he's like, if that thing gets near me, I'm going to punch him right in the face, brother. Don't even get near me right now. So Sharky with all kinds of heat. And I did see on the sheets earlier that shark boy was backstage last night. I don't think I saw an appearance by him, but they wanted that crossover. Maybe they're doing something for Rampage or Collision with them. Uh, but that's always got to be a pretty cool thing for Shark Boy with what he did in Impact to be able to be used for Shark Week, you know. Uh, so, y'all, uh, man, uh, they definitely chum the waters in that fucking match with as much color as they got. That's for goddamn sure. And to see it on a Wednesday night, I don't know. It's an interesting proposition because if you're trying to recruit new fans and Strangler Steve, this might be the way to do it because there's two sides of this coin. Like there is every coin. You ever had a three-sided coin? No, you fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> if you're a tw 10 to 12-year-old kid and you're watching that and it's summer and you get to stay up past your bedtime and your mom walks in and sees fucking Moxley stabbing motherfuckers with forks and slamming on a bed of nails and all this other shit. And there's glass and tacks everywhere. And you're an impressionable kid. That shit's going off. I don't allow that in my house. You're not watching that. None of that. Now, some kids are fucked there, but really what does that do to a kid that age? Go, I got to see more of this <laughs> and fucking that's exactly how it was with hip hop. When, as soon as they put parental advisory stickers on shit or anything that was more hardcore, uh, it just drove young teenagers to do it uh, secretly and made it, a, it made it a cool underground thing to watch that your parents let you watch or they don't let you watch it. Now, this generation that was raised on iPads has probably already seen their fucking mom's only fans since they were eight years old. So it might not matter. I'm talking about an 80s and 90s kid <laughs> psychology, but I got to believe some of that is still in there. So it's a tough proposition. Do you try and recruit new fans with a better product or do you give blood and guts to the hardcores hoping that it becomes an underground sensation that makes you different from WWE? Either way, I think it was a bad decision to do it on a Wednesday night, non-pay-per-view. I don't care if you're labeling it blood and guts or not. And it's going to open you up figuratively and literally open you up on your forehead to bleed, but open you up for all the trolls and botchamania to come at you that you need to get excessive color and do ridiculous things to try and draw a rating. Uh, so 
a little bit more damned if you do than damned if you don't in this situation. Again, it's all about timing and placement. I wouldn't have had a problem with this match. The finish, I would have probably changed a little bit to give it more of a big bang at the end. Uh, might not have had an exploding match, uh, death match. They, they didn't do well with that last time. But um, they're, they're just missing on where the placement of these things need to go. So they're not getting max value. And in fact, they're hurting the value of their overall product by doing those things. Whether, Like I said, video game, who's on top as the top talent, or the placement of matches like this just on a regular TV show. Because how are you supposed to fucking do anything more than that? You, you legit have to bring a machete and cut a guy's fucking arm off in the ring in front of everybody. Or bring a shark and lower whoever doesn't whoever loses this match gets thrown into the fucking pool with the shark <laughs> that's about as you know the mimosa pool i guess so um yeah man we'll see what the ratings do we'll see what the stooge report is from backstage with the new cobra kai click of collision uh having team meetings to try and rally the troops but really that team meeting has a lot of fuck those guys over there on Wednesday night because they do a bunch of indie bullshit. We're going to do it my way and we'll see who whose way is better. And that's pretty much the feeling I got to, I got to believe at the heart of it. However, when on Saturday night, when those ratings take a beating, not because the show's bad, but because of timing placement, then you're going to see the guys on Wednesday go, well, he's not as much of a draw as he thought he was, was he? Those WWE guys and their ego. And there might be a dose of truth in that. However, the timing is what will fuck it all up. And all that animosity will boil over and cause more problems with people ready to jump ship. But then nobody can jump ship because MLW fucked up the hiring process for WWE to have your stooges help bring you in. And that is how pro wrestling shoots itself in the foot over and over again and why we will never change and we will always be carnies who act one way and say one thing but do completely the opposite when it's our own best interest and we'll bury people who are under and not considered draws and then the guys who are fucking considered draws or drew a dollar can fucking do whatever they want and get away with as many dwis and every other goddamn thing because they they want a a, a phony pro wrestling match so Y'all, uh, man, uh, very, very interesting show. Uh, out of character and uh, an FTW title change that went a long time, continuity issues. Dr. Britt Baker, my new crush, you know what I mean? After uh, taking it to Kayla Sparks in Boston, uh, maybe she got the cream pie. Who knows? Uh, that's Maybe that's on collision. <laughs> uh, but y'all, uh, infidels, uh, I will be in Utica, New York, August 12th. Uh, for iPay-Per-View, if you can't make it there live, hopefully you guys buy the Immortal Pay-Per-View. Enzo Amore, uh, let me holler at you, play a Teddy Long, Fondango Cheeseburger, uh, Jorah Joel, Blaze Haram, Ben Hameen, Kayla Sparks, and uh, that moron referee sideburns. Uh, well, I, you know what? I might have him suspended. I think I might get him suspended so he can't be on pay-per-view. He's got he's got one coming, a tough lesson to learn. So, yes, you Taika, New York infidels, uh, you know, 
Uh, what's going down? Uh, thanks for subscribing to channelattitude.com. I owe so much on uh, Patreon. Uh, I got to get consulting here, allegedly, and uh, we got to do the breakdowns of the conspiracy. So it'll be a big weekend of production around here at HMG. Uh, no mercy on any of you infidels. But it's Hacker Hameen solo on the dolo here for your light the fuse AEW dynamite review, infidels. YOLO. Don't be a stupid bitch. Oh my.